It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Wolves 2023 season kicked off tonight in Toronto. I got Jack Borman to help me break down everything you need to know, and it's coming up next on the Locked On Wolves postcast. You are Locked On Wolves postcast, part of Locked On Minnesota on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wolves drop game one to the Raptors by a score of 97-94. What's up? What's up? Back in the lab. Back at it with our first T-Wolves postcast episode right here on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. You got myself, Luke Inman, at Luke underscore Spinman. That's the man over there, Jack Borman, co-host of the Minnesota Basketball Party each and every week up on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. Go follow him on X at JRBorman13. And Jack, before we jump into all the action from game one, let me just remind everyone, like, subscribe, the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. If you haven't already, stay up to date. All the latest news around the Minnesota state, including Vikings coverage, along with Wild and Gophers coverage as well. Um, let's just jump right into it, man. Uh, Wolves taking on the Raptors in Toronto, a place, they said this on the broadcast, I couldn't believe it, a place they've dropped 19 in a row. They haven't won in Toronto in 19 years. Um, first quarter, they start out a little slow out the gate. They missed their like first three defensive rebounds in the first 60 seconds. I couldn't help but roll my eyes just a little bit after what we watched last year. Remember the Wolves 26 and offensive and defensive rebounds in 2022 something they just kind of emphasized all offseason but then Ant puts the team on his back early on they go on a 10-2 run Ant scores all 10 of them for the Wolves they got it up to a 15-3 run but then the Raptors just clawed back it seemed like all night Wolves shot 32 percent from the field in the first half they went down into halftime down four Let's just start there. What did you write down in your notes from that first half, first off, and what'd you like, what'd you didn't? Yeah, what I liked in the first half was was Ant and Carl Anthony Towns. That pairing offensively was was pretty fruitful for the Timberwolves in that you know the two of them combined for 30 points. They both looked like they were in a, in a really solid offensive rhythm and, and combined for 15 rebounds. Uh, Anthony Edwards, I believe, had nine of his 14 rebounds in the first half, which was um, you know one of the better rebounding halves, if not the best rebounding half he's ever had. Um, and the team as a whole rebounded really well uh, on the offensive end of the floor. Um, they had a, they collected uh, an offensive rebound on 43.5% of their missed shots, um, which ranks in the 96th percentile if you kind of extrapolate that uh, stat out as a, as a team stat. Um, and their half-court defense was really, really solid as well. Um, they, they had a very clear plan of trying to force uh, Toronto to take jump shots, and they did that very well. The problem was just what you alluded to was that uh, they really struggled to to corral defensive rebounds uh, at a consistent rate. Um, you know, they they allowed seven offensive rebounds and, and 14 second chance points in the first half, and and you saw that that tone was set right away on the first couple of possessions there when um, you know Toronto misses two two jumpers, gets two offensive rebounds, it ends with a three, and all of us are just kind of throwing our hands up saying, "Here we go again." Um, and then the other the other things that, that weren't great for the Wolves in that first half, um, you know, they, they shot three of 15 from three uh, in the first half. So that's and that continued uh, throughout the game. I believe they mm -hmm. shot five of 16 in the, in the second half. So that didn't really um, it didn't really change. And then their transition defense, obviously, was was the biggest down down spot there. Um, you know, they 
they they allowed Toronto to create a transition opportunity uh, in in I, I believe the number was forty one percent of of Toronto's defensive rebounds turned into transition opportunities, which mm-hmm. is uh, which is just abysmal. And it certainly felt that way early on. And then you know you see I believe Toronto ended up finishing with something ridiculous like thirty four uh, fast break points, which I'm I'm certain was uh, a number that they did not allow in a game last season. Um, so you know it's it's a lot of the things that they struggled with last season, they struggled again today with the exception of, of three point shooting. Um, so it's, it's, I guess, frustrating for fans in that, you know, you play a team that just is kind of composed in a, in a weird manner. Um, a lot of just big playmaking wings that, uh, that struggle to shoot the ball um, and just kind of junk the game up and create kind of a, a gross game to watch at times. And, and that's certainly what you saw. Um, in that first half. Yeah, well said there. And second half was kind of more of the same. You touched on a little bit of it. But again, Wolves just, they look sloppy, to say the least. A lot of turnovers in in really tough, inopportune time situations and huge moments. They shot 34% from the field by the time it was all said and done. And from behind the arc, you kind of already touched on it again. Specifically, though, I think that was the big difference. Wolves shot 25% from three. Raptors shot 40%. I mean, that right there will do it. You combine that with the Raptors going, what, plus 30 in fast break points. And it was just a tough hill to climb all night. Yet, I say all that. And as bad as they looked, they were still in this thing until the very end. Kind of your second half thoughts and notes that you uh, kind of jotted down there. Yeah, and, that, and that's the frustrating thing is that I, I think, you know, a couple of weeks from now, hopefully the Wolves are, you know, something like six and two or, or seven and four or something That'd be like nice. That. Yeah. And you kind of and you kind of look back at this game like, man, what happened there? Um, and that's just the downside, I guess, of going undefeated in the preseason is that your your kind of come back down to earth game happens in the uh, in the regular season as opposed to the preseason. But but in the second half, I mean, it was really a tale of two quarters. They looked fantastic in the third quarter, battling back into this game. Um, they rebounded the ball really, really well in that third quarter. Um, Toronto, again, went back into what they were doing for most of the first quarter, which was settling for all these contested jump shots and and really all five players on the floor for the Timberwolves rebounded the ball really, really well. And they um, they forced some turnovers and they got out and ran in transition and were able to create some easy baskets. Um, got Nas Reed going. Yeah, that was a really important thing for them. He's just a guy, you know, I, I said this on Twitter is, you know, outside of Anthony Edwards, no one creates more energy for the Timberwolves uh, with their scoring than Nas Reed. It just feels like when they're in a rhythm, um, you know, Nas Reed is in a rhythm. And and I think that's going to be a really important thing for this team moving forward is finding out ways to to get him more uh, involved offensively. They did it in the preseason and they just kind of went away from everything that, that they did in the preseason, at least offensively. Um, but in that third quarter, that last lineup that they had out there, um, you know, when they, they had Carl Anthony Towns at the five um, was was protecting the room really, really well. Um, and, and Shake Milton kind of started to find himself at that backup point guard spot after a, after a tough first half. But um, the, the biggest thing that stuck out to me, obviously, in that that fourth quarter was just really poor shot selection and and uh, you know and decision making with the ball in their hands. I mean, it, I, I you know it was kind of funny seeing Carl Anthony Towns throw the ball to Rudy Gobert um, in a post up situation when they were down four with 30 seconds left was just kind of a microcosm of, of their decision-making that whole second half where they were just rushed. They didn't look comfortable. Um, they had some really, like you said, off the rip, um, some really inopportune turnovers. Um, 
but I mean, Anthony Edwards is is the leader of this team, and and and, and he should be held accountable for for his second half performance. I mean, really, the last three quarters he was not good at all. Um, you know, he rebounded the ball really, really well. He stayed engaged there. Credit to him there. But um, he was twelve. He scored twelve points on three of five shooting in the first quarter, and and scored fourteen on five of twenty two shooting. Wow. Um, beyond that, and wow. and played a lot of just one on one sloppy you know hero ball that just didn't work and then you saw him take on the Dennis Schroeder assignment in closing time um and Dennis Schroeder just blew right by him and got to the rim you know or got by him and, and got downhill more than a few times so um and Carl Anthony Towns too was was not good in the fourth quarter looked like I said rushed with things um just didn't look comfortable looked like he really you know wanted to make plays that weren't there and um I think the Wolves just kind of had ants in their pants the whole second half and uh, just kind of have to calm down. And um, and I think getting Jaden McDaniels back, hopefully on Saturday is, a, is kind of a connective tissue that can kind of help bring all this, um, you know, the other, the other members of the starting five together, I think will, will be a huge help if he's able to go. Yeah. I want to talk about McDaniels here in a second, but again, yeah, obviously frustrating start to the season after, again, you mentioned it, they look so crisp, so good all preseason and coach Finch said it earlier this week saying sometimes when the lights turn on and things get bright, things don't always look the same. Certainly look like the case tonight. They just couldn't put it all together. Was there just one, maybe two takeaways as far as like what they need to fix first and foremost, that's tangible, something you can put on paper. And I guess how fixable were those mistakes tonight? Yeah, I think the the first thing that that I'd think of is just, you know, be more methodical offensively. I think that how you see that and, and what's tangible is, you know, is are the Wolves passing the ball more than three, four, five times in a possession? And you just didn't see a lot of that tonight. I think we saw a lot of that in the preseason where, uh, the Timberwolves were running more plays rather than just kind of freelancing out there. Um, and you didn't see a whole lot of plays tonight, uh, which was, I guess, frustrating considering, excuse me, that that was the best part of their their preseason um, you know, performance as a whole. And then beyond that, defensively, I think um, their perimeter defense was was pretty horrible. Um, you know, I, I know that they were going under on screens and trying to force Toronto to shoot, but um, they got way too lazy in doing that. And you know, just kind of half-ass one under screens and, and Toronto's ball handlers really exploited that and got to the rim at a, at a really high level. Um, and if they didn't score at the rim, they were, you know, throwing wraparound passes to the corner and, and kind of getting the ball in rotation and getting that ball moving. Like, you know, we've seen the Timberwolves do uh, in the preseason and we just didn't see that from the Wolves tonight. So I think the two biggest things are just, you know, how much are they able to move the ball offensively? And then two, can they keep, um, you know, can they keep opposing guards in front of them? And obviously, you know, there's nobody better in the NBA doing that than Jaden McDaniels. So, so hopefully getting him back will, will be a huge help. And, and the other thing too, I guess, is like I said, Toronto's just a weird matchup. Um, you know, their, their first four guys in, in Schroeder, uh, Barnes, Ananobi and Siakam are all, you know, guys that spend a lot of time handling the ball. I mean, Schroeder's six one, but he's lightning fast. And the other three guys are, anywhere from six, seven to six, nine, and can, can get to the rim. So um, just a really weird matchup to start the season. And, and hopefully one that I think, uh, you know, a week or two weeks from now, you'll be able to write off to, to just, you know, that was a, that was a weird and, and tough matchup for the Wolves. 
One more last one here on the game, then we'll get to a couple bigger picture stuff. But just something that I noticed that was kind of a struggle for them early on I wanted to ask you about is they just weren't finishing through contact. And that's going to be a a big question for them all season is can they embrace being the bully, so to speak? Can they use all that size to their advantage, unlike what we saw from them last year? And I think fans just want to see them be more a, a more physical unit, I guess, really, top to bottom, simple as that. I think that's fair, isn't it, with this lineup? It certainly is. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say that, that that hope is misplaced a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I think people mm-hmm. have to be honest about Rudy Gobert a little bit and that, you know, Rudy Gobert is seven foot one. He's huge. He's got, you know, a seven, nine, seven, 10 wingspan. Um, but you just don't, he doesn't really impose himself physically on the offensive end. Um, and he, he's much more of a play above the rim guy and, and screen setter out in the perimeter rather than a guy that just, you know, catches the ball like a Joel Embiid would, where he can catch the ball on the block and just go right through people and score. Um, and then with Carl Anthony Towns at times, um, you know, you just, when Rudy Gobert is out on the floor, you see him playing more out on the perimeter. So um, it, it's something that I think the Timberwolves are going to have to continue to learn. Um, and, and honestly, the guy who does that the best is Nas Reed. Um, so I think, you know, the more that we kind of see Nas Reed get involved offensively, especially, um, you know, it doesn't matter who he's playing alongside, whether it's Cat or Gobert. Um, I think the more involved you see Nas get offensively, I think the more kind of that'll empower everyone around him to play more physically and, and play with force, especially around the rim. Uh, just real quick, what did you see early on here tonight from the Ant-Rudy kind of combo connection? Because all offseason, the preseason, we've watched them grow. We've watched them play well off of each other nicely a few times tonight off the pick and roll. That alley-oop in Chicago, the last preseason game was phenomenal. How'd they look tonight specifically, just those two? Yeah, I think that, you know, I think people take Rudy Gobert for granted and that Rudy Gobert is one of the best screen setters that's ever played this game. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's something that, you know, two years ago, Carl uh, Anthony Towns wasn't all that great at. Um, he, he was much better down down the stretch of the season and kind of once he kind of understood Ant's timing and and that sort of thing. But, but Gobert created so much space for Anthony Edwards early on. I think, you know, all of Ant's first – three buckets that he scored in that first quarter that got him into a rhythm all came off of Rudy Gobert screens, whether they were on ball screens or or off ball screens to free him up to come catch a pass. Um, So in that department, they were certainly good. And then Ant had that great find on a pick and roll that resulted in the Rudy Gobert and one, um, you know, early in that first quarter. But outside of that, you didn't really see a whole lot of Ant looking for Rudy. I think Ant kind of had tunnel vision. Um, you know, and really just kind of wanted to score in isolation. I mean, it's hard when you have a such a powerful dynamic score kind of gets it, gets it going early, feels good. And then, um, you know, obviously you kind of want to ride that wave. And, and unfortunately for Ant, that wave kind of crashed early and he kept trying to, trying to, you know, go find another one and it wasn't there, but um, definitely still a work in progress. I think that uh, for more people to respect Anthony Edwards, um, and, and allow him more one-on-one matchups after screens. I think he's going to have to start to find Rudy Gobert more. Otherwise they're just going to trap him. And we saw some of that in the third quarter. Um, and unfortunately for the, for the Timberwolves, their ball movement um, after Ant got trapped just wasn't where it needed to be. Um, and that's something that they're going to have to figure out because they fig- they certainly figured it out last season when Carl Anthony Towns wasn't out there. And I'm not saying that, that, that this is on Carl Anthony Towns at all. I'm just saying right. that, like, mm-hmm. you know, Jane McDaniels is a guy who's great at catching the ball and attacking closeouts and making another pass. Um, it's just kind of those kind of uh, connective plays that, that you see 
um, that the Wolves just didn't have tonight. And, um, you know, it's, it's not something that I'm overly concerned about. We saw some flashes in the preseason. I think the, the biggest thing is just kind of resisting the urge to overreact to this game because, um, you know, the Raptors just kind of clog up the floor on both ends of the, both ends of the floor and, and make it a, a mucky and gross game. So uh, credit, all the credit in the world of the Raptors for, for executing that game yeah. plan. But, but I think yeah. that, you know, if you're, when you're seeing, you know, a more spread out game, if you will, uh, that's when you'll kind of see that ant and go bear connection thrive a little bit more. Uh, you mentioned McDaniels. He was out tonight with that string calf. He's listed as day to day. Impossible to say I know, but like, was that a game you feel a lot better about just knowing how it played out if he's out on the court tonight? Yeah, I think it's hard to, you know, just say that he would fix a lot of the ball movement of issues course, that they have right. in offense. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly think that he would help in that department. I think the biggest area he he would have changed that game is is on the ball defensively. I think if you would have put Jaden McDaniels on Dennis Schroeder, who's 6'1", and just kind of said, you know what, we're, you know, we should probably have Jaden guard one of the six seven six eight wings, but instead we're going to have him guard a 6'1", Dennis Schroeder, just to completely shut down that source of offense. And I mean, Schroeder scored 22 points and, and had seven assists, both of which led the Raptors tonight. So I, you know, I think it's fair to say that uh, Schroeder's game would have would have been a lot different um, if Jane had been there. But, um, you know, I, I think Jane McDaniel certainly is the difference between a win and a loss in this game. But, you know, I, I think even without Jane McDaniels, this is uh, this is one that I think in, in a week or two, the Wolves will be kicking themselves about and, and thinking is it. Is a, is a bad loss, but, but hopefully a necessary one in that, you know, they put a lot of bad things on film and, and correctable mm-hmm. mistakes. Um, and, and hopefully that'll, I guess, serve them well moving forward here. Yeah. Hopefully this flips a switch and maybe just kind of wakes them up a little bit moving forward with this tough stretch. I do want to ask you about the bigger picture with this Wolves team coming up next, right after I tell you about prize picks. Today's postcast is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is without a doubt the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy because you can win up to 25 times your money this football season. Why I love it is because it's so easy to play. All you got to do is select two or more players and pick more or less than their projected stats on any given night. This week, I had Jordan Addison over five and a half catches and TJ Hawkinson over 52 yards. Easy money on that Monday Night Thriller versus San Francisco. That's just one example, though. And now you can even cross sports and pick multiple players in different sports altogether. So if you like Kirk Cousins this week versus Green Bay and USC's Caleb Williams versus Cal, you can get both those guys in your lineup thanks to prize picks. That's just another reason why prize picks is the funnest way to play daily fantasy. Plus, Price Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account all season long. And with the Price Picks reboot policy, your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. I'd love that. So in any NFL game or college football matchup, if your player gets hurt in the first half and doesn't return, that player gets rebooted on your bet slip. That makes Prize Picks the only daily fantasy platform around that offers you injury insurance to give you that extra peace of mind. Right now, go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That's promo code LockedOnNBA at prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA for 100% bonus deposit match up to $100. One more time, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. 
I use that. I use that Apple Pay. Um, I use that. How great is that Apple Pay? I used it. I used it today or yesterday. Actually, got that fifty dollars bonus in before. That's what before I'm saying, man. Prize today, picks, so. chefs' kits. It's the Gotta best. I love All right. it. All right, we talked about okay, game one. Let's talk about the big picture though, and what this front office has done. I know you guys have talked about it on the Minnesota basketball party a little bit, maybe locked on Wolves, Ben Beacon, but they were busy to say the least. Let me just ask you about the new faces first and foremost. And Shake Milton's the guy I'm most intrigued about. Uh, five years in Philly, kind of in his prime. Chris Finch is expecting him to this year, so to speak. He's looked really comfortable and really good in that Wolves jersey thus far. But Troy Brown Jr., that was another face already brought in. It just feels like they solidified not only the depth, but they've got some real veteran experience now that they didn't have before when it comes to some of these nice depth pieces. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly a huge win for the Wolves. I mean, Shake Milton did not play his best game tonight. Um no. Uh, which which was unfortunate. I mean, he made a couple of made, made a huge three uh, that that helped the Wolves retake that lead in the third quarter. Um, but I, th- I think for someone like him, it's just going to take a little bit of time. Um, I think you know he's needed to be a lot more of a scorer in Philadelphia, especially on, on nights when they didn't have James Harden or Tyrese Maxey. And he, I mean, you go look at his game logs the end of last season; he was scoring really, really well. And I think. For someone like him that's just been so used to a completely different system in, in Philadelphia, it's just going to take a little bit of time, um, especially for a guy who, at least in the preseason, showed that he's just got a really nice like feel for when to play make or when to score. And I think, you know, some like you said, when the lights come on and, and it's go time for real, I think figuring some of those things out just takes a little bit of time. But but in terms of the veteran leadership aspect, I mean, those those are two guys that have been in the league now for six, seven, eight years and. Um, and are really comfortable playing around, um, you know, high usage guys, as we've seen, you know, Troy Brown was really, really good playing around LeBron James and Anthony Edwards or Anthony Davis last season in, mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. And then Shake Milton with uh, obviously with Embiid and, and then Ben Simmons when ben Simmons was there and then James Harden, too. So um, with role guys, it'll take them a little bit of time to settle in just because the offense isn't playing through them as much. But I, I think you saw with Shake, he, he just had some good moments of all right, let's just kind of get organized here and pull it out when uh, the offense got a little hectic there. Um, I, I think you'd like Shake to be a little bit better defensively, um, especially on the ball. Uh, Dennis Schroeder burned him quite a few times. But, um, yeah, I think, again, it's just like trusting what you saw in the preseason is, is a bigger sample size. And um, and I was really surprised that Troy Brown Jr. didn't get more run, especially considering that, you know, I think he was 10 of 20 from three in the preseason. And this team really needed some some juice from from deep. And he only played five minutes. I don't think he played in the second half uh, after getting some run in the first half there. So um, that's something that, that I'm really going to be trying to keep an eye on here, um, you know, especially if the Wolves continue to, to struggle a little bit with their spacing and um, and not being able to knock down, knock down enough shots. Yeah, and outside of the names they brought in, I think more importantly was all the big names that they obviously retained along the way too. Not only get Ant signed and inked up, but then you get Jade McDaniels, Nod Reed, some others too. Just talk to me about the offseason the Wolves had as a whole and how excited, I guess, Wolves fans should be for this year and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, last week on, on the Minnesota Basketball Party, we were giving out grades for Tim Connolly, and I said I gave him an A minus, and it'd go up to an A if they were able nice. to extend Jaden McDaniels. And yeah, um, when we saw that final number, I mean, I, to be completely honest, I was expecting if they if they 
were able to pull off a contract extension that it would be closer to five years, 150 million or 160 million. Yeah. Um, and they got them at 131 in guaranteed money. Feels um, good. Feels, feels like good. a win so, to me. So let me ask you this then, just stemming off that, because I'm a big yeah. NFL guy, covered the NFL for over a decade, and the salary cap is always such a big piece of the puzzle for every team every offseason. When I see all these big names signed and all the money that went along with it, Obviously, you love it on paper, but I guess the worry for me is just how much they're kicking the proverbial can down the road. So, like, what does it all look like now the next few years? Like, is this a deep playoff slash championship type of window they've now built that could potentially shrink sooner than later over the next few years if they're not careful? Not to give you a, a coach speak answer, but it really depends on how they play on the floor. Um, okay. And that, you know, I think that the this ownership group's appetite to you know, pay that or, or, you know, pick up and deal with that can instead of kicking it down the road will, will really depend on what this team record, what this team's record looks like around Christmas. And that, mm -hmm. you know, really the only thing that is going to, uh, you know, be a factor this season and next season for the Timberwolves is, is whether their ownership group wants to um, pay a luxury tax bill. And right now, I mean, if they, if they, were to let Mike Conley walk, let Kyle Anderson walk after this season, let Jordan McLaughlin walk after this season and, and bring back Milton and Brown Jr. And, um, you know, they'd have $4 million to work with under this second apron, uh, which is $17.5 million over the luxury tax. And, okay. and, and, the, and the importance of this second apron is that when you go over the second apron, you know, you're not really going to get taxed all that much more, you know, on a per dollar basis than you are if you're below it. It's there's team building implications where there's certain exceptions that you aren't able to use. Um, you know, it's harder to make trades. Uh, and then if you're over that second apron, I believe it's for, I think, three or four years in a row, then, um, you know, how the NBA works with their first round picks is, I believe, seven years ahead is the last first round pick that you're able to trade. And okay. if you're over that second apron for, I think three or four years in a row, that pick becomes frozen and you have to then be under the second apron for, I think two years in a row or three years in a row um, for that pick to become then unfrozen and allow you to move it. So really for the wolves, it's just going to be, you know, if they end up being over that second apron um, in 24, 25, you're looking at a tax bill of at least $35 million, but likely, you know, closer to 40 or 45 if they if they do want to bring back Mike Conley and or Kyle Anderson. Um, but if they stay under it again, you're looking you're still looking at like a 30 to 35 million dollar tax bill. And, and that's that's no small thing. I mean, it's right. been reported by, by multiple people mm. that, that the Timberwolves ownership group hasn't you know exactly had the easiest time coming up with the funds for everything. Um, you know, whether that's true or not, we'll see. I mean, the, the dates for, for them, you know, coming through with those payments has been delayed uh, a couple of different times. Um, but again, I think it's, it's much easier to justify that, that 25 to 35, $40 million, whatever it ends up being, if this team is in, you know, really good position come January or February, and you're already in the, you know, you're not in the will they avoid the play in conversation They're in the will they host a first round playoff series conversation, which I think is, is a place that this team expects to be in, given, you know, how much star power there is up top. But then, like you're saying, with bringing in guys like Milton and Brown Jr. and that they're, you know, really, you know, experienced, smart, capable players that, um, you know, not only raise the ceiling, but I think really raise the floor of this team. Mm -hmm. Um and well so said. that that's that's kind of going to be the the elephant in the room that will get 
bigger and bigger and bigger as the Timberwolves lose um, lose more games. Because again, if if you're not going to be that first round host a first round playoff series team that that everyone thinks that the Timberwolves can be, you know, you just can't justify paying all this money for it. Uh, well said. Phenomenal breakdown. Can't wait to pick your brain a little bit more as we go on throughout the season about this salary cap and the roster top to bottom. Before we wrap up, it's week one. Obviously, it's game one. It's a long season. Did you give a Wolves total win prediction on the basketball party this year? And do you wish you could change it already? Or are you still pretty confident? I did. So th- this morning, I-, I said the Timberwolves, my my estimation was that the Timberwolves would be 52 and 30 and be the Ooh, second seed in the West. I see. Um, okay. I like that. And you know, I, I don't want to change it right now. I mean, I, I think, again, like, you know, this Timberwolves team just has some finicky combinations that we've seen out there. I mean, Kyle Anderson has been a four or a five even pretty much his entire career, and he's being asked to be a three right now. Um, you know, it was as bad of a game as Anthony Edwards is probably going to play, and he still had 26 and 14. Um, and Carl Anthony Towns was two of 10 from three has been a 42%, you know, 40, 42% three point shooter, pretty much his entire career. Um, that'll come around. Same thing with Mike Conley shooting one of four from three, you know, I'm, I'm you know, right. it's just a yeah. game where I think you acknowledge that it wasn't your best game. There's certainly some things you can fix that you've already shown that the ability to do so far this season in the preseason, um, and, you know, the hope is that you, you can you can find a rhythm here and, and they've got the talent where if they find a rhythm, it would not surprise me at all if this team went on a, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten game win streak at, at some point this season. So I think the, the most important thing is to just not overreact and um, in trust in the roster that they've they've built here. And um, and the fact that, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is healthy and uh, that's they right. didn't have that that luxury last season. And, and that's something that I think. um you know, you're not really thinking about in the short term with a game like that, but it's something that, that will certainly pay dividends in the long run. Yeah, well said. Last one here. I know the Wolves' schedule on paper out the gate is an absolute gauntlet, at least these first five, ten games anyways, before it kind of softens back up a little bit. What do they got to do during this tough stretch to kind of plant their flag, so to speak, and solidify themselves as the team we all expect them to be? And is there one matchup out of all these tough games coming up that you're kind of looking forward to the most that maybe you've had circled since the schedule came out? Yeah, I, th- I think the game against Miami certainly is is one just yeah. because the last time Jimmy Butler and the Heat played at, at, at Target Center, you had that awesome game on Drunksgiving um, <laughs> and right. dunked on, on Gabe Vincent. You had the Rachel Nichols chance going. Um, Love it. So I, I think that that one obviously stands out, not to mention it's the home opener, which, which I think is fun. But, um, you know, I think, you know, getting three out of four games, you, you get Nikola Jokic, Jason Tatum, uh, and Zion Williamson are, are is that's obviously a, a gauntlet in, in in three of your first five home games. Um, so I'm really excited to see you know how the Timberwolves match up with those type of star players and um, and all three of those guys really impact the game in really different ways. Um, and, and the Timber and that's where the I guess the versatility and the the optionality that this Timberwolves defense has available to them uh, will be really interesting. So defensive coordinator uh, Elston Turner will. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure test a few different things here to see what works and what doesn't against some of the best players in the NBA. Um, and, you know, I, I think if the Timberwolves start this season, you know, I think if they can start this season three and three uh, or, or four and two, that's that's obviously a great thing. And then, um, 
really you're just kind of living until you get to Thanksgiving. And then once you get to Thanksgiving, things really kind of start to soften up a little bit. Um, so I think if they're if they're a 500 team or better by Thanksgiving, um, I, I think that they'll be kind of off, off and running and, um, you know, and be able to kind of rattle off some wins, get get in a rhythm and, and get going. Yeah, well said. Wolves start the season kind of on a sour note here, run into a buzzsaw today, loss in Toronto, a place they have still yet to win now in 19 years. Still can't believe that. A uh, huge shout to everybody that joined us on tonight's postcast. Have no fear. Jack kind of, you know, gave us a little bit glass half full here. I think we're going to be okay. It's only one game out of 82, 81 left. Rest assured, we're going to be here each and every T-Wolves game to break it all down. Quick reminder as well, go check out Jack each and every week on the Minnesota Basketball Party. Sam Ekstrom's hosting, Ben Beacon locked on Wolves, Ron Johnson, and Care Levin's very own Reggie Wilson. They're pumping out everything you need to know all season long about your Minnesota Timberwolves right here on the Locked On Sports Minnesota channel. That'll do it for us tonight, though, in Game 1. Wolves lose to the Raptors. Miami on deck next at home in the backyard at the Target Center this Saturday night, tip-off, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on X at Luke underscore Spinman and at JR Borman 13 and follow all our work over on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network and, of course, the Lockdown Wolves postcast. He's Jack Borman. I'm Luke Inman. Until next time, signing out. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.